Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of Going for Two. No, your ears are not deceiving you. That is not the dulcet tones of Matt Brown. This is Brian Fisher, his other co-host, uh, flying solo this week as uh, Matt enjoys some well-earned time off. And uh, he kind of takes a bit of uh, certainly a break from all that he's been doing with the, both the Extra Points newsletter, which is still publishing uh, a couple times this week, as well as this podcast. But uh, we'll have him back for, for next week's ed- edition. And uh, I'm sure he will be uh, nice and, and recharged and ready to go as we kind of hit uh, the, the home stretch here with uh, a lot of spring sports going on, a lot of conference realignment, a lot of a lot of discussion uh, around college athletics that uh, I'm sure we'll enjoy getting his thoughts over. But uh, t- until then, uh, you got me, you got me changing the music, you got me changing the uh, a few of the graphics uh, if you're watching along on YouTube, but uh, uh, a lot of fun going on here uh, on the Going for Two podcast because uh, we got Chris Vanini for you of The Athletic, a senior writer over there. And uh, I wanted to talk with Chris uh, because of an interesting story that, that he wrote uh, this past uh, week, uh, obviously uh, everybody's focused on college football right now. Maybe we're just coming off the Masters, uh, a lot of sporting events, but WrestleMania was also this uh, this past week. And obviously a lot of attention uh, by by a certain segment of the population uh, into wrestling. But uh, there is a bit of a crossover here in terms of college athletics. Uh, the WWE doing a lot of NIL deals that we'll, we'll discuss with Chris a little bit about what their aims are. And, and obviously there's uh, kind of a look towards the future as well for that uh, organization, Triple H. Uh, for those of you who certainly know who, who that is, is kind of in charge of their upcoming development program. And I uh, wanted to kind of dial down into that with Chris, um, not only because he was he was there in Dallas kind of covering the event, but uh, can provide us some greater insights uh, in terms of kind of the wrestling scene and how it crosses over with college football. Because, um, you know, certainly if, if you're a, a fan of, of either, you probably have seen a, a bit uh, of crossover, not just on, on Friday nights uh, when, when there might be some SmackDown going on or on TV or something like that. Um, you know, th- there's a lot of crossover and a lot of ties between college football Ball and wrestling in the WWE in particular. So uh, happy to and excited to get into that uh, with Chris uh, in, in here in a little bit. Before then, though, uh, if, if you're still listening, I want to want to thank you. Make sure you subscribe. Um, you know, give us five stars. We, we really do appreciate it. It really helps uh, a lot of other fans out there discover this podcast. Whether it's on Spotify, uh, Apple Podcast, uh, you know, every five stars you know really does help. Uh, we, we do want to be uh, as Matt uh, always likes to mention. We want to be Ohio State. We want to be Alabama. Alabama. We want to be had that top end recruiting class window closing, but uh, we, we do appreciate uh, all those, uh, everybody uh, leaving five stars and making that process, uh, you know, a lot easier for folks to kind of find this podcast. I, we, I know we've got a, a couple new listeners that uh, have always uh, given us a shout out on, on Twitter, either at Matt Brown EP or uh, at Brian D. Fisher and on Twitter. And uh, we certainly appreciate you guys listening, telling your friends uh, and, and helping spread the word. If you're new to the podcast, though, you probably have not heard us uh, say how you can also uh, enjoy 15% off on your home field apparel order using the promo code extra points i'm wearing the uh we got the old tulane green waves shirt going on today uh, but uh between matt and i i think we have um you know well over uh you know probably 100 shirts i, w- I would imagine of home field apparel and, and uh, between that the the doggers they had some some terrific stuff um you know we we certainly are a proud partner of home field apparel and if you want 15 uh, percent off that first order uh be sure to use that promo code extra points they got some great new stuff coming in right now they're, they're refreshing a couple lines they obviously got if you're a Kansas fan um, who, who's uh, fresh off the national title, they, they've got some new stuff for you as well as South Carolina. I had my uh, my Gamecock shirt on uh, that I had uh, a while back, uh, a couple couple days ago, as a matter of fact. And um, you know, I think if you're you're a fan of either those schools, if you like 
cool logos. Uh, you know, I think there's, there's a little something for everybody. Um, and as we kind of move into, uh, things like mother's day and father's day, as we kind of get into that kind of event season, uh, and, you know, be sure to, uh, you know, if there, somebody has a, a certain tie to a certain school, you know, be sure to, uh, say 15% off while uh, getting them one of the more comfortable shirts that they will ever wear from home field apparel. But and, until then, I uh, want to catch up with Chris. I, I know a lot of folks out there are some wrestling fans. I think they'll find this conversation interesting, whether you're, um, you know, diehard WWE that uh, watches every week or, uh, you know, you just kind of casually check in. I, I know personally, uh, having lived overseas, um, you know, my, 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 you know, kind of pathway to wrestling and, and being a wrestling fan uh, growing up, certainly in the, in the 90s when uh, these things were taken off. I used to get uh, DVDs, you know, of, of uh, the, the wrestling. I guess they were maybe even CDs at, at the time, but, you know, the, you know, weeks and weeks after they actually uh, you know, were occur- occurred in, uh, on television uh, here in the States, you know, used to be able to watch them uh, overseas uh, you know, with, with a couple of my buddies, uh, you know, and it really was a, a dose of Americana uh, when, when I was living overseas. And so always fun to kind of see you know, wrestling and, and how it's evolved over the last couple of years. We'll get into that with Chris. And, and certainly it's an interesting conversation if you're a college football fan, because, um, you know, look, like I mentioned earlier, th- there's a bit of a crossover between uh, what, what's going on with the WWE and, and the future of that organization. Uh, uh, what some schools can learn in terms of what they're doing with NIL and, and other things, how they've marketed their product, uh, how they've uh, really changed the, the evolving nature of the media business. Um, you know, really is some, some fascinating stuff that we'll get into with Chris uh, and then we'll kind of close it out from there. But uh, we we'll really do appreciate everybody listening. We will be back uh, again uh, later this week as well with a special episode. But uh, until then, let's uh, let's bring in Chris and uh, chat with him a little bit uh, about his latest piece in the, in the WWE and their WWE tryout for college football players and, and college uh, athletes as well. All right, thrilled to be joined now by Chris Vanini, uh, the senior writer for The Athletic. Be sure to uh, th- thank uh, Stuart Mandel for that uh, title bump, but uh, appreciate you have, jump, jumping on with us, Chris. Yeah, no problem. Appreciate you guys having me. Absolutely. Well, uh, listen, the latest piece you had uh, about the inside, a WWE tryout, we, we will get to that. But uh, I, I noticed you were in Tallahassee. You, you were checking out the Florida States. Uh, what, what is kind of this this uh, I guess this time of year like for, for you? I'm, I'm sure it's uh, crisscrossing the country and, and seeing a lot of spring football. Yeah, I am coming from my hotel room uh, in Tallahassee instead of the office typically back home. Um, but uh, yeah, I wanted to check out Florida State, they wrapped up spring practice today. You know, this is obviously a big uh, big year for Mike Norvell there, kind of needing to turn that corner, uh, so to speak. And, yeah, I, I have not actually gotten out to much spring football this year. I know it's obviously the time of year when a lot of people do, now that, you know, we are largely past the pandemic's impact on football. Uh, I've, I've visited some, some programs around Dallas where I live, and uh, so this is my first uh, trip out this spring, actually, and it's, uh, it's good to go. You're definitely picking a good time to go to Tallahassee because if you end up going on a game week, I think your your hotel there would probably be like uh, about four or five times uh, more expensive. But uh, uh, it's interesting. I, I'm just curious to maybe maybe get your thoughts uh, there on then see, having seen the Knowles in practice, how different they look. Obviously, they've it's been a program that has taken a, quite a few transfers uh, the last couple of cycles. They they have uh, you know certainly uh, kind of mined the, the Sunshine State for talent there. But uh, uh, you mentioned that the predicament that Mike Norvell has. He, he does seem like he's upgraded the roster, but uh, maybe not. Quite quite to the standards there uh, of previous FSU teams. Yeah. You know, you know, they, they lose Jermaine Johnson, who was the ACC defensive player of the year on the defensive line. That, that's a big loss. He was a transfer from Georgia, obviously had, had a big year, but they, they did add Jared verse, a, a transfer from Albany who looked really good in the spring game defensive line. So, so they look to be pretty strong 
there again. And, you know, the big question obviously comes at quarterback, the skill position. You know, Jordan Travis finished the year very strong. You know, Florida State won five of their last seven. I think Travis had something like 16 to two touchdown interception ratio. But they lose that game to Florida at, at the end of the year and they miss out on the bowl game for the for the second straight year. So they'll, they'll need some they'll need some guys to step up wide receiver kind of the running back uh, as well. So some of those skill spots that Mike Norvell has typically always had really good players, uh, probably the biggest questions right now. It seems like the, the Sunshine State in particular, I mean, that might be one of the more interesting spots in, in college football. I know you cover the group of five. You, you got UCF there, certainly kind of uh, looking ahead towards that transition to the Big 12 and, and Gus Malzahn being able to sell, playing in a Power 5 league. You, you have a new coach in, in, in uh, uh, coming in at Florida. You obviously have some uh, tough times there at, USC, at USF, but uh, they're building a new stadium on campus there. I, I think there is a little bit more momentum uh, behind Jeff Scott's program just in terms of the off-the-field stuff going on there, even though it's been difficult on the field. And then you have Willie Taggart down there at FIU. You got a new regime coming in at FIU. It might be one of the more interesting spots. Uh, and that's not even getting to, to Miami down there with you and the, the upgrades that they're making under Mario Cristobal. It, it seems pretty like a, the state itself uh, is going to produce some pretty interesting football in 2022. Yeah, I mean, it's it's been a pretty down period here between FSU, Florida. You know, I know Florida made the Cotton Bowl a couple years ago, but firing Dan Mullen last year. Miami hasn't, you know, Miami fired Manny Diaz. UCF had a down year last year year usf has won three games the last couple of years so so there, there's reason for optimism at a lot of these places i think you, you know uh, with billy napier with mario cristobal with with the skill players have at ucf now uh, so it could be a really interesting year in the state of florida uh, for sure do you anticipate a bounce back for, for Gus Malzahn? I, I know it wasn't quite the season they anticipate. Injury is obviously a, a key factor. I mean, even Gus himself was was coaching from the, the sideline there in that uh, little table looking like yeah. a professor at times uh, back in 2021. But uh, I, I mean, what is kind of the outlook with uh, UCF? And, and certainly it's an intriguing American, if nothing else. You, you got Cincinnati coming off that playoff experience. Uh, you have a, a lot of obviously several teams kind of shuffling into the conference. Uh, others kind of on the verge of shuffling in. Uh, it kind of makes for uh, quite, quite the interesting group of league yeah you know for as much of a down year as it was for UCF they still went nine and four and they beat Florida in the bowl game you know one of the biggest wins in school history just for what that meant uh but they were you know really hampered by injuries like you said there so coming into this year they're pretty loaded especially at the skill position at, at running back at wide receiver they got a lot of talent there they brought in a number of transfers again some SEC starters as well. Uh, basically, I think comes down to the quarterback position. You know, Mikey Keene was thrust in last year as a, I think it was a redshirt freshman, I think, and had some ups and downs. They bring in John Rice Plumley from Ole Miss, who kind of has that running ability, fits what Gus Malzahn typically likes to do in that offense. So um, coming out of spring, they don't have a, a starting quarterback yet, but if they get that position squared away, if they get good play at that position, UCF should once again be contending for the American, I think. Well, that, that'll definitely be an interesting conference race. And I, I know we can kind of head back home towards the, the DFW area where, where you're uh, living right now. And obviously your, your latest piece was uh, diving into a, a WWE tryout. And, and I, I find this fascinating. I know uh, there might not be a whole lot of wrestling fans out there, but I think there is a little bit of crossover from, between college football fans that uh, might enjoy that. But uh, I'm curious, wrestling has always kind of had a college football flavor you know, to it. Obviously, it's Stone Cold Steve Austin. He, he played up there at North Texas. Uh, I believe you've even written about uh, Roman Reigns in, in his days at Georgia. 
Georgia Tech uh, before he had that uh, cup of coffee in the NFL. Uh, what, what is there? What, what, why is there such a strong connection, I guess, between some of the stars at WWE and, and, and other places? Um, but why why is there that connection with college football in general? And, and do you think that uh, that is something that the the league is itself is kind of looking to tap into going forward? Yes, that. That is absolutely what WWE is trying to do. They're trying. They're really going all in on college athletics now, um, and that's what that tryout last week around WrestleMania was. It was almost exclusively for college athletes. This is a push they started back in the summer, away from signing so many maybe independent wrestlers because they want to get these people in their early 20s as opposed to someone's a former football player maybe they get into bodybuilding and they get to WWE when they're like 30 or something like that and they discover it that way or they do crossfit and they, they find out later WWE wants to get these wrestlers into their developmental system when they're 23 24 years old and a, a, there is a ton of college athletes in WWE I mean Ron Simmons one of the greatest Florida State players of all time he was the first he ended up becoming the first Black world champion in, in wrestling history. Uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin, like said, The Rock played at Miami. All their current top singles champions are former college athletes, and that includes the women. Charlotte Flair played volleyball at, at, at Appalachian State and N- NC State. Bianca Belair was a track and field uh, runner at uh, Tennessee. So WWE, with, with, with name, image, likeness, and being able to partner with a lot of these top athletes when they're in college, like Gable Steveson, the, the gold medal wrestler at at Oklahoma, uh, at Minnesota, AJ Ferrari, the national champion wrestler at Oklahoma State. Uh, they're trying to get these people on a path into WWE pretty much right out of college. Is, is that no, like, I mean, what is the kind of normal talent pipeline? You know, I, I'm, I'm always curious. Obviously, he sees these kind of stars. And I guess in my conscience that they, they kind of explode onto the scene. But uh, when you're talking with Triple H, like what is the kind of before uh, they, they've got into this college uh, athlete business to, to kind of mine it for, for pipeline, you know, you know pipeline. Uh, and, and what was it kind of going into, uh, you know, five, 10 years ago or, or even longer ago? Like, like how did they discover uh, that, that those those top tier uh, wrestling talents? Was it finding somebody in, in some Memphis wrestling? wrestling outfit and, and kind of bring them in or, uh, you know, has, has it been really a big sea change, I guess you could say, uh, these last couple of years? Yeah, it, it was either someone who loved wrestling and was trying to get into it or somebody happened to spot you working out at the gym or working as a bouncer at a bar or something like that. And they thought you might look the part. You should check this out. Ron Simmons, like I said, he's a Hall of Famer in college football and WWE. He played football with uh, who became Lex Luger, the wrestler. Ron Simmons, is he, he, he tried pro football for a little bit. He's working at a Tampa corrections facility. And a former teammate of his in the USFL, Lex Luger, says, hey, you should try this wrestling thing out. And that's how he gets into it. That Basically, you have to know somebody or you have to have you know always loved it. And so WWE is now trying to get in front of the people who had never thought about it before. The people who maybe used to watch it as a kid or they're kind of familiar with, with what with what it does, but they don't really think about it. It's as much as WWE pitching itself to these athletes as the athletes trying out to get in. Because some of them either don't know what it's about, aren't interested, or just peripherally kind of aren't aware. So the, the NIL stuff, they brought a bunch of the NIL, NIL athletes to WrestleMania in the suite to check everything out, to be like, this is what you know you can be if you come here. So uh, it, it's about getting in front of those people who had never really thought about it before. 
It's so wild that uh, to me, at least, that, that Triple H is kind of in, in charge of this this endeavor. And, and obviously, uh, he's been involved in, in, in the company itself for, for, for a long time. And, and I know he just hung up his boots and, and obviously he's had some health issues recently. But uh, when, when you get to chat with him, what is he kind of looking for? Is there an attribute? Is it is it the showmanship? That is it the athleticism? Like like when you're going through these tryouts and, and you're seeing these these pretty successful college athletes. I mean, one of them was was somebody from an all conference FCS team. Like when, when he's actually kind of looking to be a talent spotter. You know, is there a, an attribute or something that he is kind of out there saying, I, I, I got to find this because I know that's going to translate into becoming the, the next rock, the, the next Roman Reigns. You got to have the athletic ability for wrestling and then you got to have the personality to go with it. I mean, at this tryout, they, they worked on a couple things in the ring. They taught you how to roll. They taught you how to run the ropes. They taught you how to fall back on your back, take a bump, essentially. And you had to figure that out. If you couldn't figure it out. You know, they weren't going to move forward with you. So so whether it was a football player or, you know, Daniel MacArthur, four-time All-American shot put thrower at North Carolina, um, you had to figure it out from a footwork standpoint, from a body control standpoint, physically. And then they also did what's called basically a promo class, promo competition, where they would be handed a bit of a, a script and they had to memorize it and, and deliver it like they were speaking to a crowd. And so those are the two biggest factors that they – look for so you got to have the athletic ability the body control especially for a bigger guy and then you got to be able to talk you know that that's half that's half of what wrestling is and you mentioned the NIL program. I think that that's the more interesting thing for, for a lot of the college administrators who, who maybe uh, are not huge WWE fans. But uh, I, I think that perked a lot of ears up when when they first announced that. Uh, I don't know what kind of background you, you got in, in in terms of that, but uh, they, they've gotten some some pretty big athletes already kind of in that stable uh, that they've made NIL deals. Obviously, you mentioned Gable Stevenson, uh, AJ Ferrari, some some of the big names that I believe even the Cavender twins uh, you know, to kind of cross over in, in, into women's sports. I mean, what what is the the, the point of the NIL? program if, if you're WWE? Is, is it just a kind of brand awareness exercise? Do they, they think that they can kind of have this uh, kind of bridging the gap between those athletes that they kind of find as part of this this uh, tryout program? Uh, I mean, what, what are what are the aims uh, for, for a company like WWE getting into the NIL space? It, it's twofold. One of it is the brand awareness. Like, like I said, I mean, Daniel MacArthur, that North, North Carolina All-American shot put thrower, he saw that WWE was doing NIL within the track and field world. I think they signed somebody from, from Alabama. And so he reached out to WWE said, Hey, how can I get an NIL deal with you guys? They said, Hey, come to the, you know, come to this tryout. So, and, and he got a contract at the tryout. So that, that half of it is getting WWE's brand, the NIL opportunities in front of people who maybe didn't consider it. The other part of it is simply WWE's looking to potentially give, make a career for you. Like this is different than most NIL opportunities where it's just an endorsement they're, they're trying to get you on the career path into wwe that that's i talked to, to jim at, at influencer about because wwe partnered with influencer about a month ago and so now wwe has access to all thousands of these athletes now who maybe they couldn't quite get in contact with before so you know they're at WWE scouts are at uh uh at, at, at the NFL Combine, at the National Scouting Combine, at Pro Days, at the NCAA Wrestling Championships, at track and field meets and stuff like that. So it is a full-on scouting, you know, opportunity to find these people who are in college, say, hey, you know, let, let's work on something here and develop a partnership. Gable Stevenson, 
you know, he was in high demand last summer. He, especially coming off the Olympics, the UFC wanted him as well. So WWE is able to get in with that NIL deal, develop that relationship. And now that he's done in Minnesota, he's going to be sliding into WWE here soon, uh, pretty quickly. I mean, is, is this a, a thing where they're they're going to go after kind of top tier college football players, or uh, do you, you kind of ultimately kind of anticipate them just really kind of focusing on 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 a market that really can serve them in terms of price and all that? Because you know it, it'll be fascinating to see if like uh, you know a Blitnikoff Award winner or somebody like a you know that's in the Heisman Trophy is some, suddenly doing WWE promos. I, I, I can't imagine they're they're getting to that point, especially given some of the dollar figures being thrown around some of these uh, to high end uh, athletes in terms of the NIL deals. But I, I would imagine that uh, increasing that brand awareness. Is, is probably part of, uh, you know, part of their aim. And, and that could be a, a big way to kind of get onto the college football scene is uh, going after some even higher profile uh, college football players. Yeah, that, that's possible. But I do think that would largely be for the, like you said, the marketing brand awareness type of stuff. Like nobody's really expecting the Cavender twins to come to WDB when, when they're done. But they did do some football players, you know, Joe, Joe Spivak, a lineman at uh, Northwestern, uh, Glenn Logan, a lineman at uh, defensive lineman at LSU. They were both at, they showed up to the tryout the last day as WWE brought everybody in to kind of show everybody things over the weekend. And, and talking to Joe, he, you know, he's a really energetic, outgoing guy. He grew up loving wrestling and he has had his pro days and he's got to work out with the bears. I think pretty soon, if, if not already, he's going to give football that try, but if it doesn't happen, he's said he's going right down to Orlando just to start with WWE. So at the moment, WWE is looking at those fringe, guys who don't get drafted maybe don't make a team i mean the way triple h said to me he's like nfl releases 500 players a year the the difference between the guys who don't quite make it and the ones that do physically is not all that much so that's why they're, they're, they're going there could they go for a bigger football player sure but i don't think anybody's expecting you know a a draftable college football player to uh, really look at it at the moment uh, coming out of college. Yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting, certainly, to, to track going forward. Now, uh, obviously, WrestleMania was at AT&T Stadium. I, I'm just curious, how how would you kind of explain to somebody who's not into wrestling, maybe that maybe they see some tweets or whatnot, but like, how would you explain and, and kind of put into words what WrestleMania is? And, and what was that experience like for, for you as, as somebody who has not only uh, been, been watching for a long time, but has finally starting to get to cover it a little bit for The Athletic? Yeah, it's a real spectacle. I mean, I, WWE's production team is among the best in the world in terms of putting on big events, these massive stages at these football stadiums, the lights, the pyro, the set design, all these things. It, it's it's really a absolute first-class operation in that sense. Their video team, you know, the, 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 the hype videos they make before matches – as good as anything you'll find in, in real sports. So, you know, WWE has, has really tried to improve its brand away from just being like the old school wrestling type of thing. You know, it calls itself sports entertainment, partly for legal reasons, partly because that's what, you know, it tries to be. It's not just sports. It's not just entertainment. It tries to be both of those. And yeah, it, they, they sold, you know, they, they listed 77,000. It's probably a bit lower than that, but two straight nights, at t Stadium, basically sold out. I was there both nights and outside of a couple spots, maybe toward the very top place was absolutely packed two nights in a row. Uh, kind of gives you a, a, um, a sense of how big it is. 
Yeah. And I mean, I, I was talking with uh, an administrator a couple of years ago, just uh, about, you know, like following college football and, and, and what, you know, programs and, and teams can kind of learn. And, uh, you know, you can kind of point out even before they, you know, WWE hired Nick Khan, but, you know, like look, look at what they're doing in terms of the entertainment and in terms of how they're appealing to fans. Um, you know, that, that you, you, I'm sure you saw it in the, in the crowd, like the diversity of ages uh, always tend to blow me away when, when you look, not just at the numbers on, on the Nielsen front, but when you go actually go see those crowds, uh, like you, you're getting, you're getting dads who probably watched wrestling 15, 20 years ago. You're getting, them to kind of bring in another generation. I'm sure it's, uh, you know, one of one of the more unique uh, exercises for, for not only for the McMahons uh, kind of moving forward, but uh, the enterprise itself, you know, has a lot to kind of, I think, uh, showcase for a lot of college football programs out there that might need to be reaching new audiences, uh, you know, might need to be uh, certainly doing new media deals like they've done with with Peacock and, and uh, you know, getting on broadcast television as well. I, I mean, I, I think the WWE in, in a lot of respects, you know, is, is has a lot to admire and, and a lot for uh, some college football programs and, and conference commissioners maybe to learn a little bit uh, from as well. Yeah, I mean, WWE was really ahead of the game when it comes to over-the-top streaming. And th this was back in 2013, 2014, when they came up with the WWE Network, which is basically the only place you can watch their pay-per-views. You can buy them on pay-per-view, but for a cheaper price, you can stream it, and they put libraries of content on there. And this was before basically the only other league doing this was like MLB.tv, essentially. And now everybody's into streaming. And WWE realized, okay, you know, instead of putting all our resources into this, let's sell it to Peacock for, I think it was $5 billion. It was like a billion dollars a year for, for a five-year deal. And now uh, that's a, a new revenue stream for them. And you talk about the crowds. You know, the, the, um, the TV viewership age has skewed higher than it used to be but when you go to the shows you've got people of all ages and you've got so many kids there and stuff like that and they're just they're buying every t-shirt they're, they're, they're buying every souvenir cup and stuff like that and that's exactly what, what wwe wants they don't want to just be that you know 18 to 34 male demographic they're trying to reach everything because if you get the kid that means you get the mom who has to come with them and if there's a sibling and then they got to buy all the stuff. And, and so that's, it's a big reason why WWE is hitting um, uh, record revenues. Part of it is also a deal with Saudi Arabia and putting on shows over there, but they've really diversified uh, a lot of where their, their revenue is coming. It's not just the live shows. It's not just the TV deal. And, and speaking of the TV deal though, I, I mean, I saw today, I think it was the NBA averaged about 1.6 million uh, per national television game viewership uh, this this regular season, wrestling is higher than that. You know, SmackDown on Fox is is over two million. Raw on Monday night uh, on USA Network is just under two million. Uh, so I think it's typically at the very top of the Nielsen ratings every every time it's up. So I think people don't realize just how big of a market wrestling is. Yeah, I know the, the folks at Fox, you know, certainly have been happy. They're certainly by the initial numbers that uh, were, were part of that deal and some of the big increases they saw. But uh, I think everybody's pretty happy with you know, kind of where things are. But it, it's a unique medium because uh, it's not just WWE anymore. Like there, there are competitors out there. Certainly, uh, you know, there's uh, you know, you can even get into kind of the things like UFC and all that, which are a bit of a different category. But but I mean, if uh, if you're kind of just getting into the game, uh, how, how would you recommend uh, folks kind of at, at home following along? You know, or what, what, what's the top storyline in, in your your mind and uh, who are the competitors out there that are kind of trying to nip at uh, the WWE's heels? Yeah, the biggest competitor for, for WWE is All Elite Wrestling. Uh, they started, I want to say 2019 probably. They are on TBS every Wednesday, uh, Wednesday night, TNT, Thursday night. A mix of former WWE people 
and independent wrestlers that they have been going heavy at that you know 18 to 35 male demographic you know i mentioned wwe's making this big push toward younger college athletes instead of signing those independent wrestlers AEW is signing all those independent wrestlers so 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 they're going they're 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 hiring the people with the established reputations and brands and fan bases in the wrestling world and they've had a lot of success they're they're averaging around a million uh, million viewers every week on, on their show dynamite and a lot of the people that came up through wwe's developmental are now over there and i, I talked to triple h about that and about the competition and everything like that and i think i i should have a follow-up story on that uh coming up pretty soon talking about the competition um but you know he admits you know the competition is going to make wwe better it's it, it's you know it's been 20 it was 20 years where wwe was only the big player in town after wcw and these other companies went out of business in the late 90s so now that you know, WWE is not going to call AEW competition. WWE is going to say our competition is Netflix. It's like, you know, what every big company now says these days. But in the wrestling world, AEW is is competition when it comes to signing wrestlers, uh, getting someone to buy a T-shirt and stuff like that. So um, it, it, was, it was really interesting talking to Triple H about that. I, I'm sure. I, and probably a, a bit of a pinch yourself moment, too, uh, getting to ch- chat with somebody like that. I, I'm sure you grew up uh, watching as well, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, we talked for probably about thirty minutes, and he he was incredibly friendly, and he really enjoyed being there at the tryout. He he's run their developmental system for about a decade now, so he he likes just kind of the feeling of being around the young guys. Honestly, being around the tryout, being around him and, and their coaches as they looked at the the, the 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 participants there, it was just like being at a recruiting camp in football. You know, like the, I, I sat in on the meetings afterward. They went person by person explained what they liked, what they didn't, how much weight could they put on someone based on their frame. It, it was just like, well, it was just like sitting in a football recruiting meeting. Honestly, it, it's really similar. And uh, yeah, Triple H doesn't do a lot of interviews like that. He's typically does TV stuff or conference calls. So I was really grateful that, that he took the time to, to talk about everything that they're doing with, with, uh, with college athletics. You know, it's interesting because we're, we're kind of right around the corner from from uh, the relaunch of the, the USFL. Obviously, there was a, that kind of crossover with the McGann's owning the, the XFL. I'm curious uh, what, what you kind of think about spring football, because that is uh, kind of right, right around the corner. Some older names uh, that uh, some college football fans might uh, remember uh, popping up. You know, Shea Patterson's running the Michigan team, uh, a few others, uh, you know, kind of headlining things. That It's going to be on Fox, it's going to be on NBC. Um, do you kind of think this is, uh, you know, a bit of a viable, uh, you know, outlet for uh, people that are, maybe scratching the surface of, of trying to get to the NFL, but, uh, you know, are, are out of college football and uh, still want to have that, that fix in terms of uh, not only watching, but uh, certainly playing along uh, on the field between the lines. Viable for the players. Absolutely. I, I mean, we saw a number of guys who played in the, the AAF and then the XFL the next year who, uh, who kept their careers going, made it onto the NFL from there. So the, that, that is very good. It's, it's always good to have options out there, you know, just like I mentioned with WWE, when the NFL is the only professional football there is because the arena league, I don't even know if it's around anymore. It's, it's not much. Um, it's good to have these other options. It's just, it's good for the players. And, you know, is this USFL going to work? Is the new XFL next year going to work? I, I don't know. The USFL, I think they're playing all the games in Birmingham. So you're not going to have the environments, I think, that, 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 that grow, but, I tell you what, the, the XFL, when it, when it was, um, was that 2020, early 2020, I, I think they had something there. You had some massive crowds in St. Louis and D.C. You really got behind a lot of these teams and the pandemic shut it down and then the league folded. If the pandemic hadn't happened, 
I'm really curious to see where that would have gone because they, they seem to have, you know, different rule changes, kickoffs, and some different things I think you could have really taken to the NFL or college football or, or whatever. It's not going to be the same when it comes next year. I don't know what's different in the USFL yet this year. I guess we'll, we'll kind of come out and see. But I think the biggest takeaway from the other the other spring football leagues is that you got to have enough quarterbacks. Uh, when, when the quarterback play dwindles, that, that's when these spring leagues become kind of difficult to watch, and we saw that at times. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll see what, what the USFL looks like when it starts here. Uh, I guess it's this coming weekend now. So um, it's going to be interesting. It certainly will. And I mean, speaking of, uh, you know, kind of new faces uh, popping up, I mean, uh, I know you're you're in Dallas, uh, obviously a lot of conference realignment uh, moves being made there. And, and certainly uh, even to some some big time departures, I feel like we've we got to ask pretty much everybody in terms of their thoughts about uh, Big 12 Commissioner Bob Bowlesby. He's retiring. I, I know he's somebody that uh, you, you've been around uh, quite a few the, few times the last couple of years. But, um, you know, what what is what is the Big 12 going to do? I mean, do, do you have some anticipation? I know Oliver Luck, uh, you know, formerly of that XFL has been mentioned quite a few times. Uh, as being one of the leading contenders. I mean, do you kind of get any sense when you, you talk with folks, you know, kind of in and around the Big 12 and, and certainly even among those uh, incoming members that, uh, that they're looking for a specific type uh, of person they want to be as, as commissioner? Yeah, I, I mean, Bob's retirement was not a surprise to kind of anybody who's followed it. He's, he's He's been in it for a long time. He clearly wanted to get the league back in a stable position and let someone handle the big stuff moving forward. That's what's happening. You know, based on comments by some of the people in the league, it doesn't look like they're going for an outsider. doesn't look like it's going to be a George Klyovkov situation. seems like they want someone who's familiar with the college sports world and, and stuff like that. And, yeah, it, it, it's big because that TV deal is coming up. And, and that, along with the team changes, how long you're going to keep Texas, Oklahoma, uh, we'll see. I, I mean, it probably behooves the Big 12 to – keep Texas and Oklahoma as long as you can to extract as much out of them as you can. So they're going to want someone who's willing to do that. And it's not just going to let them walk away at a cheap price. So um, Oliver Luck's name comes up for, you know, every big administrative job there is these days. He actually, I think he's, I think he sued Vince McMahon over some XFL stuff at the time when, when he left. So there's always some connection to pro wrestling and everything somewhere. So, so um uh, specific names, I'm not. I'm not really sure yet. It, it, it's pretty early, but um, I imagine they're going to want to move somewhat quickly as they kind of got to get the next step moving forward. Sounds like Texas and Oklahoma will have kind of a a hand in what, what's going on. So will the new schools. Makes sense because you know. So we'll see. I mean, it's obviously a big job, and it's just another Power Five commissioner job change it'll be what four in the last handful of years i mean that's that's massive you don't have jim delaney mike slive you know swalford all these uh, other people um who had been there forever had had a camaraderie that was a big thing about the playoff you know discussions and falling apart is that none of these people had really known each other they they, they they hadn't really worked together it wasn't like when the playoff was formed back in 2013 2012 when everybody kind of was able to put some things to the side because they were able to work together. That was not the case here. And um, an, an, another commissioner change is going to only add to that, I think, uh, potential friction. 
I mean, I, you, you and maybe your colleague, uh, Nicole Auerbach, have probably spent uh, more time at uh, standing outside hallways and standing outside conference rooms uh, following those college football playoff meetings. I mean, do you kind of get a sense of, of what this shift might do? Uh, obviously, they're basically looking at year 13 and being being wide open in terms of what they can ultimately put on paper in, in terms of that expanded playoff. And uh, I mean, this is obviously going to be a new name, uh, somebody that was going to have to kind of get caught up to speed in terms of what the Big 12 and, and the new look Big 12 in particular is going to look for in in the college football playoff, do you kind of get a sense of uh, how this could maybe slow the process down? Will, will this kind of set uh, hit a reset button uh, of sorts? Uh, I know everybody's kind of focused on the ACC, but this kind of seems like it it could be a bit of a, a more stumbling block uh, in, in the near term as well uh, as some of those concerns the ACC expressed in terms of hitting pause on, on playoff expansion. Yeah, it'll be about a year, year and a half and until they get back to the playoff expansion discussions specific to expansion. But you look at how the last one fell apart. You had essentially you had the alliance on one side. You had Greg Sankey and Bob Bowlesby on the other. And now Bob Bowlesby's not going to be there anymore. Greg Sankey saying, "Hey, you know, we we were willing to sacrifice for this 12 team model. We may not be willing to sacrifice so much anymore." So there's a lot of a lot more saber rattling going on. I imagine that's um that's going to continue. And remember, Bob Bowlesby was in favor of not giving automatic bids to the Power Five. That would all those bids would have helped the Big 12. You know, he 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 was concerned about antitrust and, and, and potential issues down the road there, just like the BCS had. So does that next Big 12 commissioner want the automatic power five bids instead? Does you know do they does the Big 12 side with the Big 10 in the, in that in that sense? Who knows where the ACC is gonna be on everything? The Pac 12 was for some things, not for some things. It was a real mess, you know, by, by the end. And so adding another variable in there with, with the new Big 12 commissioner, I don't know where they're going to land. It's going to be a fascinating story to kind of track. And I think it's going to be in the back of the minds of just about everybody because you're going to hear about it on, on pretty much every weekend uh, about college football play expansion not happening and, and how we are kind of stuck with four, especially if there's, uh, you know, quite a case for that uh, fifth or sixth team to kind of make it into the bracket. But I, I know you've you've also written about this recently. I think everybody's also focused on conference realignment. Obviously, uh, a, a lot of changes going on at the Division One level overall. I, I think a lot of people are interested in kind of what happens with Conference USA their, their headquarters there in Dallas. Uh, I mean, uh, what have you been hearing in terms of kind of the latest about uh, where Conference USA is going to move after they uh, bring in kind of their, their next wave of schools? I haven't gotten any sense about like literally moving the conference, if that's what, if that's what you mean. But I, I don't know where any more natural fit would be, you know, kind of doesn't, they're so spread out anywhere. They're going to continue to be spread out. Uh, but yeah, the, they'll be at the moment, they'll be at, nine teams when things shake out, when they lose, what, nine of their current 14 members, when they add, you know, add some of the, some of the, the Liberties New Mexico States uh, of the world. Um, so what, what I'd heard last fall was that they were going to wait to see what the new NCAA constitution looked like, what the transformation committee was going to kind of look like in, in the summer. They may kind of change the definition of what it means to be, FBS or Division One or, or something like that before finally making a move. But it sounds like they have been talking to a handful of schools, continue to stay in those conversations. It's a lot of the same names, you know, kind of heard last fall still, your, you know, your Tarleton States, your Eastern Kentuckys, your uh, McNeese States, you know. They talked with UConn, UConn, or football only for UConn, UConn 
wasn't that interested. UMass is very interested as a football one, but Conference USA is not as interested. Uh, so, you know, they're at nine. I imagine they'll want to get a little bit bigger, but I think they're waiting to see what the landscape of Division One looks like as well. And, and I mean, some of those options, you, you kind of mentioned Tarleton State, uh, certainly McNeese State coming up from, from the FCS ranks. I, I mean, schools that would, would truthfully probably have, uh, you know, the ambitions to kind of kind of move up into a league like Conference USA and, and try to put in uh, the amount of money and, and, and investment that uh, they, they need to kind of compete. Uh, but it, I, I'm sure they're kind of stuck between a, a bit of a rock and a hard place just because uh, they, they don't know, like you're saying, in terms of what Division One is going to look like. And, and, and truthfully, it's just uh, not a league in terms of uh, having a, a lot of ties together. I mean, you, you know, you say what you want about the Big 12, but, you know, at least they're kind of bound together in terms of all this uh, recent history those schools have been through that that's not really the case with conference USA it really is a lot of new faces in a, in a league that uh frankly is, is still gonna have to sort itself out uh, as we kind of go through this evolving landscape if you will yeah and I mean the league was reshaped a decade ago when half the league jumped to the big east and became the American and they raided the Sun Belt and so it, it's been reshaped I mean this was a this was originally a basketball conference that was headquartered in Chicago then it became kind of a football market conference headquartered in Dallas. I don't exactly know what it means moving forward. It's going to eventually kind of be just the bin of leftover teams, essentially, is, is, is what it's going to be by the end of this. But, um, you know, you will have a number of schools who are actually happy to be in that league. Like, the, the most vocal supporters of Conference USA that I found on Twitter, the most, the, the most people staunchly upset that Southern Miss and Marshall and Old Dominion were trying to leave early. The people who were most upset about it in defending Conference USA were Liberty fans. They're not even in the league yet, but they're already, they've got a big, you know, online fan base, just a lot of fans who are, who are online a lot, and they were defending it. So, like, there are, there are now people sticking up for Conference USA in a way that they weren't before, like in New Mexico State football, similarly. Uh, Sam Houston, Jacksonville, Jacksonville State moving up. So, it's kind of a... It was already a mishmash of teams. It's going to be so even more moving forward. Yeah, and, and I mean, one of the more interesting things you, you mentioned the uh, the schools that are departing there for the Sun Belt. I, I think the Sun Belt is, is obviously a fascinating league. They, they come off maybe one of their better seasons they ever had in terms of football. You obviously had Louisiana doing so well. You know, App State uh, consistent success they've had the last couple of years. I, I'm curious how you kind of see the league changing now that they do have James Madison coming up. Others like Marshall who've had um, you know some some recent history of, of success in, in Conference USA. But uh, how do you kind of see the Sun, Sun Belt shaping up for for 2022 and and certainly beyond? Yeah, I mean, they're going all in on being a big football league, and I think it's working. I, I mean, App State, like I said, they've been very good for decades. Louisiana's been very good. We've got to see what they are post-Billy Napier, but Coastal Carolina has become a very good program. Georgia State has become a solid program. Then you're adding Marshall, you're adding James Madison, which is as equipped to move from FCS to FBS as I think anybody has, has really ever been. Um Southern Miss, which has struggled but has a history of success, has a fan base. And I think there's a lot of reason for excitement, and that's why those three schools wanted to join as soon as possible because they saw the excitement that their fans were having with this move. They wanted to get in on it. Um, they're also create, they're recreating the men's soccer league, which is going to be one of the best conferences in college soccer now, adding some SEC, SEC affiliate members and stuff like that. So – uh, yeah, there, there's a lot of excitement about about the Sun Belt where it's going. Um, you know, with with the American losing 
you know, Houston, Cincinnati, and, and UCF, there's a real jockeying for that top group of five spot. And Mountain West is certainly going to be in that conversation. And now I think the Sun Belt annually is going to be in that conversation as well when you look at that playoff formula that determines, you know, what percentage of, of payout that they get. Yeah, I think that's uh, definitely something we kind of keep track of. And I'm curious, you know, who, who, who in your mind, uh, obviously it's still early, a lot of transfers, I'm sure, coming in and out of, of a lot of programs out there. But, uh, you know, in your mind, as you kind of look at things here, uh, as we hit mid-April, is, is there a team in your mind that, that can be almost that next Cincinnati? Maybe not necessarily really contending for the college football playoff, but, you know, really scratching the surface and making their noise, uh, making some noise in terms of that group of five bid? Yeah, it's. Are you talking about for for next year specifically? Yeah, this upcoming or, or season. Just in general, the the upcoming yeah, season. I mean, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's going to be interesting to see what SMU looks like in the first year under Rhett Lashley. You know, they've they've got Tanner Mordecai back at quarterback. They they've had success there the last handful of years. They just haven't closed well. They 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 got to figure out kind of how how things are closing. I think UCF. As, as I mentioned earlier, I think they're going to be a very good team. They should be back in that top conversation as long as they can figure out the quarterback spot. Uh, Appalachian State's got to replace a lot of its receivers, but they should be a really, really good running team. The quarterback is back as well. They've always been solid. A couple of years ago, they were in, in the mix for that. Um, those are the teams that probably step out first. San Diego State's always solid, you know, Fresno State's got a new coach. Jeff Tedford's back, but Jake Hayner is there. It's really going to be wide open. Uh, I mean, Houston, I didn't mention Houston as well. They bring back a ton from, from last year's team that that almost won the, the American as well. So, you know, last year, last two years, really, you kind of knew Cincinnati was that top spot uh, unless something weird happened. But this year it's going to be, I, I think it's going to be wide open. I think there's going to be a lot of different teams contending for that New Year's Six spot. Well, that's like what you like to see, uh, certainly if you're a college football fan out there, the, the diversity of, of good teams. And uh, I think we'll definitely see that, uh, like you're saying, from the group of five. But uh, until then, uh, Chris, I, I appreciate uh, your time. And certainly we will be following along. Uh, where, where can we where can we follow along for, for your stuff in, in particular? And I know uh, for, for wrestling fans who maybe stuck around uh, through the college football talk, uh, certainly uh, that's something you also have a podcast as well, right? Yes, uh, I, I do a wrestling podcast uh, as well. Uh, getting over it's called getting over wrestling podcast i do with uh, adam silverstein of, of cbs uh, but otherwise just on the athletic college football for all my stuff there and just at chris vanini on twitter all right, terrific stuff from Chris Vanini of The Athletic and uh, some really, really fascinating stories that uh, he had, uh, not just in terms of that uh, WrestleMania and uh, that WWE tryout, but uh, one of the best when it comes to covering uh, the group of five. And I'm sure we'll have a lot more on that subject in particular going forward as uh, a lot of spring games around the country start to get wrapped up. I know, uh, you know, Clemson, some other big ones just happened this this past weekend. Uh, certainly the, the, there's, there's a lot more spring games coming uh, this upcoming Saturday. And then the week after that uh, really does that kind of time of year where you can kind of gaze a little bit uh, towards that 2022 season and see, uh, you know, who's up and who's down and uh, ultimately which uh, which college fo football programs are, are going to be uh, doing some work in the portal, as I'm sure uh, you, you catch those news headlines. And, and uh, pretty much half of it is about player movement and, and some of the bigger issues, uh, obviously, facing college athletics. Uh, we get into a lot of that on ExtraPointsMB.com. Uh, sign up for that uh, Extra Points newsletter. Matt does not only a fantastic job with some of the paid and, and freed options that uh, he has there, but uh, some great stuff this week uh, even though he is on vacation he's got some great free, freelance pieces coming in um, you know in particular when you're listening to this episode should be one up there about uh, kind of the day in the life of, of a student athlete which i think is going to be a, a pretty eye-opening for, for a lot of folks out there that um 
certainly just, uh, you know, are used to seeing folks, uh, you know, pop on their screens or, or kind of catching them uh, in terms of the TV highlights, but uh, really kind of gets into some of the the unique uh, nature of, of being a student athlete uh, nowadays on campus, because there's a lot that certainly goes into it. Be sure you also sign up for D1 Ticker if you haven't already. Uh, completely free product, uh, you know, out there that uh, really catches you up on, on some of the latest. You can find in inside the, the Ticker in particular, uh, a lot of our Collegiate Sports Connect videos. I've uh, been doing quite a few of those this week as well, talking with conference commissioners. Um, some pretty high profile ADs about their 10 years recently. It's it's a, a pretty turbulent time in the industry, a lot going on, uh, which is a great place and a great reason to sign up for the D1 ticker itself. But, uh, you know, I think we, we also try to provide some some added context uh, to a lot of those uh, conversations. Yeah, I, I was recently uh, chatting with some some Notre names, uh, men's soccer players and the D1 council is going to meet. Uh, at some point on Wednesday uh, to kind of chat and, and and look over a couple proposals. One of those is going to kind of uh, change the nature of college soccer in these NCA. And that was, uh, you know, chatted with a few student athletes to kind of get their perspective on things. Um, going to be a lot of, of interesting conversations as well, you know, from, from a lot of my colleagues and uh, even Matt, when he ends up uh, returning from a, a well-earned uh, vacation down the road. In the meantime, though, uh, please give us five stars. It really does help uh, others kind of find this podcast. Uh, we, we like to grow our community. We like making sure that everybody gets 15% off their home field apparel orders by using the promo code extra points. That is, uh, you know, not only a, a great gift uh, this time of year, but um, really some of the, the greatest uh, logos you'll ever see in terms of uh, mascots and all that, but, but also some of the softest t-shirts, softest joggers. Uh, they, they got pretty much everything in there in the catalog and uh, why not save uh, that 15% off your first order? Because uh, believe me that that first one, you will be adding a lot of things to the cart uh, that you weren't anticipating and uh, it can add up, but uh, we're, we're always here to uh, save you guys a little bit of money as well. Appreciate uh, their continued support of this podcast. Uh, Connor and the gang uh, do a great job there at Homefield Apparel. Until then, uh, we, we will have another episode this week uh, with, with some special guests. I don't want to tease too much about that, but it uh, should be you know, fascinating to kind of tune into as well. I am Brian Fisher. Enjoy the new music. If there are any complaints, be sure to send them to Matt Brown EP on Twitter. I'm Brian D. Fisher on Twitter. If you want to you know praise me for my uh, solo hosting work this week, uh, I really do appreciate that uh, for sticking around with us. Hope you enjoy the conversation with Chris and uh, we'll catch you again next week. 